Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Today we have John Lau from uh, Wizard Foundry. How's it going? So today we are doing a few things. First, we're going to be talking about breaking down like paraphernalia, magic paraphernalia, like legal, cool things, all legal, all legal. <laughs> and you know, John is uh, a producer of this kind of type of material. You are behind the Grimoire products, correct? Uh, and then we're, you know, this is this is our twenty sixth podcast. That means we have done this literally for half a year. More than that, because we've taken some weeks off. But like, this is our half a year podcast. There is an entire half year. Of us talking to you about Magic the Gathering, yeah, um, we've got. And you know what? What's really cool about that is uh, the Twitter has been blowing up recently with some people being like, "Hey, just found out about the mod." And I, there's a backlog. Like I checked out these old episodes. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. There's a ton of old episodes. Now you, if you're like bored and want to go back, some of it's kind of fun. Like we like make bad predictions or bad reviews about like cons of Tarkir. We completely talked about how Just Guy Ascendancy is just unplayable in every format. And if you're really interested, you can pretty much come up with a drinking game, Soda, of course, that involves every time I say Spell Skite or Grand Architect, because it's pretty much like 13 or 15 times per episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because of that, we're actually going to do a deck tech, and part of this is because you are an avid Affinity player, John, but we're going to do a deck tech on the first deck we ever deck teched, Affinity. He has an Affinity for the deck. Uh, <laughs> you can cut that out in editing if you want. No way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first, uh, I want to talk about our favorite magic swag, magic paraphernalia. Uh, personally, something you know we talk about a lot is Highlander Roulette, and uh, kind of the way this these decks started getting held together is lunch boxes. Yeah. The, every so every tournament, uh, you bring your six decks, or obviously if you're getting started, you know you can start with three, but it's basically 600 cards. So you're instructed to get a lunchbox. A standard size lunchbox carries all six. And there's enough space in the middle for you know a little like dice box, something like that, a thin one. And uh, yeah, I have a couple of lunchboxes. I've won a couple of them in these tournaments. Yeah. Normally the prize is a lunchbox. So like one of the prizes. on this road, a, a road of frustration. There is no. Star Wars lunchbox in existence that is the correct width to be able to hold magic cards? I'm going to go on record and say that's probably incorrect. It no, probably is one, you just haven't been able to find it no, yet? No, 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 because the, the company that has the license, they make a lunchbox that is like three millimeters too thin. I know, you bought it. Compared to other ones. Yeah, <laughs> you I have them. <laughs> I have two Star Wars lunchboxes, both of them have failed to fit magic cards inside of them. I have like figured it out, but it does not work for what are the purposes of what needs to happen, really. If so, anybody, if anybody's listening to this and is, in, is correct, because I'm sure that Alex is wrong, by the way, uh, if any Please of you... send it to me. <laughs> if you find a lunchbox that holds magic cards that has Star Wars emblazoned on the backside of it, I, I will I will love you forever. He'll give you at least $12 for it. I, I, I will <laughs> give you at least $12 for it. <laughs> uh, beyond that, I mean, w with magic in general, so, like, we're modern players, that's what we're here to talk about. I generally stick to, like, the Ultra Pro leather covered with, like, double sleeves, dragon sleeves, and I always have, like, one of those, like, dividers that Star City Games Eternal Fireball sends you when you buy mm, stuff in the mail to right. kind of separate the sideboard and the regular sideboard with, like, a few extra sleeves and tokens, maybe. Uh, what do you guys generally take? If you're going to a tournament, what's the best way for you guys? What do you like keeping your deck in? I'm going to sidestep the question and let the, uh, the, the guru of... The guru of boxes? <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I know a thing or two about boxes. Uh, I went to a field big tournament, so when I started playing tournament magic and stuff, I usually bring my ultra bowl box. I keep it like very, very lean 
because I generally just single sleeve my deck. It makes it easier to shuffle. You just bring the one box in. I just bring the one box. Small box, okay. Yeah. And then slowly, sometimes, like, friends are showing up. They're like, where's your EDH deck? Where's, like, your other decks and this and that? So I start bringing more boxes, chuck them in one bag. So that's kind of how I roll. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do the... I have the mail carrier bag. So I have, like... And part of this is I don't ever expect... But I have, like, one of every format because I'm like, I want to play Legacy because there's a Legacy side of it. I want to play Modern if I scrub out. And then I have, like, two EDH decks. And that normally is, like, a giant heavy backpack that weighs a 1,000 pounds. And... I, uh, a few years ago when I started wearing suits to all Magic tournaments... Um, <laughs> which is a thing I do. Um, it's actually remarkable I'm not wearing a suit right now. It's kind of going in the, the trending in that direction. But nonetheless, uh, when well, I started GP wearing Vegas. suits... We'll, GP you'll be Vegas. Suited. Oh, I'll be suited, no question. Uh, when I started wearing a, magic, a suit to Magic tournaments, I started carrying like a, a leather to me uh, bag, like a messenger bag with me. And okay. I, it was perfect size to fit like my binder. My trade binder went into one like, like one part of it, which would normally hold like a laptop. And then sort of the front pouch would have like usually a couple of deck boxes. And I was kind of in the same boat as you, Kessler, double-sleeved, dragon sleeves, usually three small deck boxes with dividers for my modern deck, my legacy deck, and what usually limited sleeves. I'd have a right. box of limited sleeves. Oh, Always carry a limited sleeve. Oh, yeah, just like a pack of 50 Ultra Pro that, like, 50, you, yeah. if they get broken, whatever. I actually, with the limited sleeves, see, so, so like, I'll, Dragon Sleeves are what I'll use for, for competitive decks because right. I'll want 60 to 75, and if they break, I need extras. But with limited, you can buy a single pack of the of the 50, like the Ultra Pro with, like, the cool logos on them. Right. Because you have to buy two sets usually to get yeah, a 400, yeah. which is annoying. So you can buy just one set of, like, I used to have these ones with Magus of the Future from Future Sight on it for the longest time right. that I used until they finally broke down Well, on me. so that's actually, so I have a big problem magic-wise in, like, keeping my cards facing all the same way. I, it It's either I'm dyslexic or not dyslexic. I just am the opposite of that, where I can, like, read cards upside down and it won't bother me. It drives people insane. Yeah, I usually <laughs> want to strangle you. <laughs> like, I've had, like, my lands, like, some tap to the left, some tap to the right. I don't care at all. But because of that, when I shuffle my deck, you know, my deck sleeves start being, like, you know, upside down. And, some, and that's, like, technically a way of marking cards, so you can get in trouble. So what I've started doing is, when I play in major tournaments, I always play with sleeves with pictures on them because oh, when so you're exactly. when you're shuffling and dealing it you can very quickly see this card is upside down without having to like do the work of like going through the whole deck face up and it definitely helps to make sure that i'm playing to competitive rel standards which is important right and you don't want to get kicked out of tournaments yes exactly <laughs> uh on the note of double sleeves apparently this is a contentious issue i didn't know this until the command zone our sister podcast did an episode on this but apparently like People are against double sleeves or don't double sleeves. I'm like a hardcore double you're sleeve about, no matter what. I believe you're referring to perfect fit sleeves or the tiny, super thin ones. Right, the clear ones that then go inside of regular sleeves. It's usually it's for card protection purposes. Like you see a lot of legacy players and now some, now some modern players with, you know, high value decks that do this. Right, well, I mean, what it comes down to is there's thousands of dollars on the table and people can be dumb and clumsy and spill things on said yeah. table. Yep. Um, and I'd rather my cards be one extra layer of waterproof, like them being on a mat, then them being protected, then just letting them willy-nilly be out there. And, like, yes, people can say, like, well, you should just make sure people don't put tricks on the table. But, like, are you willing to risk your collection on someone else's <laughs> actions that you have no control over? Especially when you're at those tournament tables where there's, like, 30 people to each side of you. That's true. Absolutely. Um, really quickly before we get into the rest of the podcast, I want to mention Twitter and iTunes. Um, oh, yeah. So you can follow us on at the MMCast. And tweet at us right now. We are listening for your tweets and we will respond unless it's like three in the morning immediately. Yes. Because 
contrary to popular belief, you're you're listening to this live. This is this is not recorded a week ago. Uh, despite what Alex just said, if it's three in the morning and I happen to wake up or be going to sleep, I will probably immediately respond anyway. And if you mention Grant, Grant Architect or Spellskite, I have a special set of alerts on my Twitter account. It'll just tell me and it'll wake me up anyway. Just kidding. But also, rate us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating or a four-star rating or a three-star rating, but not two or less. Um, if you like us and let us know that we're doing a good job and it helps us to stay popular. Oh, yeah. I, to- I mean, iTunes rates us and starts recommending us to people based on how many reviews we have. So if you review us, we will be able to find more people that like us. And, and we'll then, review you. And we'll give you a five-star rating. Yeah. It's, like, it's like Uber. <laughs> <laughs> um, so continuing on down the plan uh, of cool stuff you play with, do you have any weird, unique things you bring with you? I mean, we all know Ben wears a suit, apparently. Oh, I have, <laughs> a, few, I have a few very unique things I bring to the tournament. Right, well, well, let's, let's hear it. Okay, and I know you started doing this with me because I, when I started wearing suits, I was like, I need something cooler than just like a pad of paper. So I started, <laughs> I bought these like really sleek little thin black moleskin notebooks. Oh, Little wow. tiny ones, okay. like six inch by, like six inch by oh, three yeah. inch. And I and they fit nicely inside the lapel pocket of a suit. And I brought like a really like a sweet pen, like one you'd steal from the Four Seasons right, or something right. like that, um, or buy from a store. But in this case, I stole it from the Four we Seasons. We don't condone stealing from <laughs> specifically the Four Seasons. If you're, it's a Hilton, it's okay. And it's but. it's like a really classy, elegant pen that probably has no place in a Magic tournament. But it just it fit inside the, the lapel of my suit. So I I like to do the thing where like if I like thought sees you, I like take out my notebook. Sit down. I'm like, can give me a minute here? Like, take my time, and, and uh, you know, write your cards. And so that's one thing I bring. I also uh, I have my my personalized Fatal tokens, my vampire tokens. From, oh right, from, from like, top decking. I was like, I played Fatal. I played Fatal on top decking. I was a vampire, and I got a, I got tokens with me as a vampire. They're one one vampires. For those who, who don't know, top decking is a web series, Magic Gathering web series on YouTube right now. You can go check it out. Yeah, it's actually that was like how I first started working with Kessler on magic related media, and. Uh, so I got a few of those for supporting the Kickstarter campaign, even though I should have gotten them for free because I was in the show. <laughs> but I had to. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I'll bring those with me. And I feel like that, that's like the major specific ones. I've for the longest time envisioned this scenario where rather than like the messenger bag, I'm going to get like a, like a, a custom briefcase. Uh, like a leather one that's okay. going to have whatever whatever magic-related endeavor, whether it's like a, a brand that I own or something, and it'll have my logo like, you know, in like a copper faceplate on the briefcase. And I'll like sit down in front of my opponent and like and, like click the thing open, and it'll have like all my decks inside and like a foam-fit customized interior. Anyway, I'm rambling now, but uh, <laughs> this is like a thing. Hey, hey, guy who makes magic paraphernalia, why don't you get on this briefcase? <laughs> if this thing existed, I, yeah, I guess I could make them, huh? It would be amazing. Uh, I'm also hint, looking hint. into custom. <laughs> I'm looking into custom ties. Also, that's another tie thing. Oh, you yeah. need to get on the tie clip. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh, those you can get. Those huh. you can find customized pretty easily. Maybe like instead of my basic white pocket square, it'll like in tiny print just like say something across the pocket square right there. I mean, I feel like so we were talking about this a while ago. We're eventually making a giant conglomerate super podcast thing with our friends at the Command Zone, and me and Ben are definitely going to get embroidered ties with their logo. And if people on Twitter really want it, and you get us enough of it, we might start making it for you guys. Yeah, selling, so t- tweet us selling about elegant, ties. elegant pens from the Four Seasons. That's <laughs> they yeah, yeah, they, they our logo start, just be pens. They'll they say need four to start having a tournament at Four Seasons. That's kind of how it works. Uh, anyway, I, it's a little. It's, it's, I can't afford that. So, guys, so that, I hope that answers your question about what funny things I bring to tournaments. It does. It does. John, do you have anything? I, you I do have something that's pretty cool. So, uh, I, I've been start building boxes since like last year and got like made all our friends in the scene, right? So, I started getting these uh, custom made life pad 
that are made of uh, land cards from previous set. Okay. So we have like stacks of paper that custom cut for those land cards, and then okay. we like uh, spiral bind them together into like a little notepad. So when I show up, I like bring my notepad out, oh, and cool. usually the opponent will ask about it. It's like, oh, where'd you get that? It's like. Well, how about you let me have the win, and I'll let you know where to get it. <laughs> uh, we do not condone bribing your opponent. <laughs> that sounds like a business arrangement, not a bribe. <laughs> we need a judge. <laughs> judge? Judge? Um, I definitely, before I started doing the moleskin thing, which was way cooler, I was doing the Simon Blood Pad, which is cool, and it's also like leather bound, yeah, and you yeah, kind yeah. of feel like a reporter when you flip yeah, it yeah. out. Yeah. I just had such a run of bad luck while playing it that I completely blamed it on the pad and not my own bad play skills, and so I stopped using that and started using the moleskin, and it's gone way better. Well, let's just be perfectly honest with the moleskin thing. It's so cumbersome and inconvenient to use as a life pad because it doesn't stay open, so you know how oh, you yeah. rip pages <laughs> yeah, out of it? Yeah, to like, yeah, like, like it bend open. the thing open. It's like, in no way is it practical at all. It just looks really well, you got You got a paper clip, and you got to put sideways so it holds it open you're just doing it wrong <laughs> can i get it can i get like a special masters of modern paper clip yes you can <laughs> keep it open <laughs> for 9.99 on masters of modern.com single which is novel- not a real website <laughs> <laughs> a single novelty sized paper clip so speaking of product uh so you make product and you're doing a kickstarter right now to launch your newest version of the grimoire that Aren't is you? correct so uh kind of tell us like where did you start why did you start making these like cool and explain kind of what they look like they're they look like fancy leather bound mystical spell books but you open them up and they're a case for cards i just saw the kickstarter pop up just the other day how's it going by the way before you talk about it it's it's going pretty well i mean we got a lot of love from a whole Magic community as a whole. Uh, Reddit loves us. Yeah, you guys, I mean, it was like the goal was like 4,000. And when I checked, you had like 25% in the first day. That was pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, totally. We made 25% on the first day, and then we just 100% funded on the second day. And really? And now we're on our way to be our first stretch goal, which is going to be 150% wow. over our original goal. That's amazing. That's so exciting. Yeah. Are you just thrilled about that? Yeah, so uh, I guess a little bit of history about what we do. It's that uh, we started about a year ago, last year, April. And uh, the goal is to create a. You're good. You keep going. Okay. Sorry. The the goal is to create a box so then uh, we don't have to use our paper cardboard tubes that we've been using right. since we're ten years old. Right. Right. So uh, we have thousands of dollars of card. I mean, especially since we're modern players, and I don't feel safe to store those stuff right. in a two dollar box. It doesn't make sense to me. Right, so we we go around. I did a lot of research, and then we created the original Grimoire, which is uh, aimed to store a thousand card, aimed to service a cube uh, community, and uh, the whole thing is, I wanted to made and feel like a spell book. So it's a really big spell book, hence it's called a Grimoire, and uh, it's got the look and feel of like a letter bond book. It's nice and big, substantial, weighed at uh, about three pounds, so it's not too much to carry around. And then toward the end of last year, people start to carry our boxes around to different game night, to GPs. You can see them. I think someone said they they saw one at uh, GP Orlando. Okay. And then this year, we decided, okay, why don't we make it easier for people to carry? So we come up with the smaller version, which is a Pro Tour line. And it's uh, the current one that's on the Kickstarter. Cool. That's excellent. It looked awesome. I mean, the video looked amazing. And it's a well-put-together video. Like, you looked... Uh... Sorry. It's a well put together video too, and and you know uh, you yeah you were well spoken and the music was great. 
I was, know, right? I was convinced. I was like, I want one of these things. It's like, this guy's a great public speaker. I could learn a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess a question. So you're doing a Kickstarter campaign right now. What are some of the cool pre-work that you did to kind of help make you successful? What do you think? What do you attribute the fact that you're able to gain so much traction so quickly? I think uh, the, the key thing about Kickstarter or building any product in general, right? Uh, it's to be able to listen to your fan base and your community. Uh, honestly, when we started building this box, uh, we're just trying to build the best box possible for the Magic community. Because we're, I mean, personally, I'm not too happy about carrying cardboard tubes. Right. And, Super cumbersome. You drop yeah. it once and it pops open and it's just, everywhere. Uh, we've all we've all experienced Try it. Try spilling right. some water on it. It's <laughs> uh, horrible. It won't be a problem because I'm double sleeved. Oh, wait, Take whoa. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> <laughs> he has dual lands in every one of his decks, and he plays like five color decks consistently, and all of the dual lands are in it, and he doesn't double sleeve his EDH decks. He has all the dual lands in all his decks? No, and most du- decks have the dual lands needed for that deck. The original, not They're shocks. Re- dual lands, and he doesn't double sleeve. Blows my mind. <laughs> like, hundred, like, like alpha plus. duels or beta duels? Or uh, unlimited, I think. I mean, still so revised. So one, one to four hundred dollars a land. Yeah, yeah. Those lands, Th- those ones. Like, stupid every. Josh. <laughs> stupid Josh. That is nice. That is nice collection. <laughs> I mean, it's partly jealous because you just like free ball <laughs> yeah. on it. Oh, oh, that's like, entirely jealous. That's yeah. not even partly jealous. That's. <laughs> um, back to, back to the grimoire. What makes this successful? So I think listening to the player base is very, very important. People tell us that they wanted to make it transportable. We make it smaller. People say they need it stronger. We add metal components to the box. Okay. People say they wanted to keep it close. We add ledges. So it's very simple. It's listen to people and do what they tell you. So when you think about when you think about the evolution of the first grimoire to now the Pro Tour one, sure. and you think about uh, how you went, you went bigger to a little smaller... What do you think would be next? I mean, if this this looks like this product is going to be a, a smashing success thus far. So, I mean, aside from the briefcase that I'm hoping you make, what what other well, yeah, sort I guess of my other like my OCD self? You have a blue, a black, and a red box. I'm assuming there's a white and a green one coming out. Oh yeah, down the road. So so I'm all about a color wheel. I think yeah. the the color wheel is one of the uh, long tradition of magic. So we're going to complete the color wheel, and then maybe we're going to see some clans. Or okay. some guilds coming up. Cool. Different themes for different style, that's for sure. Uh, Sizes-wise, I talked to the cube community. They actually say if they have a 720-card cube, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to carry their cards. So uh, we are looking into building uh, Grimoire XL. Okay. Meaning it's going to be like a thousand. Which should be the crazy. green one because it's all about big creatures. Well, you could. Maybe. <laughs> why are you, we can't, why, we why are you saying it like that? You don't even like green creatures. That's not even I love thing. green. Green's like my like second favorite color. I, I like all the colors. Yeah. I don't have favorites. They're all my children. You're a color whore. <laughs> I guess I'll call it a crater hoof. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Crater hoof. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that we kind of, we've talked about what you were doing in Kickstarter and like carry, like cases. I, I do want to kind of get into dice, mats. Like these are the other kind of things that are important. Um, mat wise, I, I it, we're like in a different era and we were kind of talking about the sleeves. But when I was a kid, if you were the guy with mats and sleeves, you were a giant nerd, which is surprisingly an insult at that level because you're playing magic. So right. if you're like a nerdier nerd, then you that's like crazy. Care. Now it's like just standard. Like I won't go anywhere without a mat because. As we said earlier, this is money. This is like, there's a significant investment in mats and all these sleeves really help. 
I personally play with either like GP mats. So I have like the fire and ice one from GP Vegas. Right. And then um, I also have custom made top decking mats that Ultra Pro gave us as sponsors when we were making top decking. And those are kind of my two go-to mats that I kind of use. Uh, I recently in a Highlander Roulette tournament won a Grumpy Cat play mat, which I think was made by Ultra Pro. Uh, that's one of my favorites. I have an aversion to play mats. The only reason I use them is because I win them in these tournaments sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it annoys... I can't help it. They just kind of give it to it me. It annoys you know? people yeah, that I don't use them because like, you cut a deck and you try to pick the second half up and your fingers kind of use the table. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just have never... I don't like having the mat. It's It's like... An extra cumbersome piece of equipment. It's an you have item around. that I have to have in like a. It doesn't fit in my my messenger bag in in a good way. It doesn't like I have to carry around this like stupid looking backpack with me to like. I just don't Usually like it. it. Sticks out on the side. You, you should, <laughs> what you should get is uh, I have this on my computer at home. It's a like a pen. It's meant for like glass desks, and it's like a semi almost leather. It's faux leather but it's meant to be like a mouse pad slash yeah, thing sounds good and like can slide right into a briefcase i feel like you should show up with that to go with the suit and the the yeah. leather bound books and everything you're carrying around with you was it a grimoire um yeah so that's for me that's play mats uh as far as dice personally uh i have a like a ridiculous collection of spin downs from various pre-releases over the years right i have like all not all of them but i have a ton um I have two that I hold very dear. I have that I always use. I have a time spiral on a future site uh, spin down from 2007, I guess. Okay. Uh, and I have met like you know how like if you go to someone's house, you guys are playing. Often somebody has a big bag of dice. Oh yeah, totally. Like, or the big box. Yeah, yeah. Most people are pretty cool with their dice. Six siders, I don't care about. Most of my spin bounds, like if I lose my Avacyn restored spin down, I don't really care. But I have been such a Nazi before. If anybody touches my future side or my time spiral spin down, at the end of it, I'm like putting them all back in the right order. I'm like, I don't have my time spiral spin down. They're like, they're like, we can get it next time. And I put myself like, no, that's not okay with me. Get your dice out of the closet. I'll, I was like, you're not going to get away with this. This won't stand. You can't take my spin down. Um, I just love those sets, so I don't want to. I mean, as far as dice go. I'm a big proponent of the like box of a bunch of six sided, all the little small ones, because the there's chesses. so many times. Yeah, yeah, you need like, chesses. you need dice to play. You know, put plus one, plus one counters, minus one counters, planeswalkers, and like six. There's so much more versatile. And you have so many. Counters, I just need as many counters, as possible. All right. the things from Time Spiral Block. You definitely need that counters when you're playing Affinity. But I think the best, yeah. the best dice I've seen out there is Josh has these or Jimmy has these. I forget. I think they both have them because they like. Yeah. play off of each other but they have like the steel cut oh yeah like heavy they're like the D D deck yeah, right? yeah, yeah so they have like all of the different sizes and different awesome like yeah dodecahedrons or whatever but like the the just they feel so much more satisfying the roll because like you feel them hit the table and your hands like heavy with them yeah it's definitely the best dice i've ever used in my entire life yeah i uh actually this is like an interesting thing as far as uh boxes and all those things that people use our friend Eric, who has been a guest of the podcast before, uh, father of the Highlander Roulette format, he brings around this sort of like taller rectangular two-parter box. And yeah. In the base of it, the base is made to have like dice. I can't remember who makes the thing. It might actually be an Ultra Pro product. Yeah, I think it's um, an Ultra Pro Command Tower or something. Yeah, and it's got, so he's got dice in the base, and then the top half you can fit a deck. But what he does, because we play tons and tons of games of Highlander, it's like playing EDH essentially, right. is he's got a set of, because in our format, regular duels are not legal, it's only the shocks. So what he, he'll have a full set, a single one of each of the shock lands in this box, so that if we're playing any 
cracks a fetch land to grab a shock, he won't like cut and shuffle. He'll just pull it out of the box, and then if he comes across it in his deck, he'll swap it out. But in terms because there's so much shuffling and searching in a 100-card deck, it saves us a lot of time in these 1v1 games. Wow. Um, so I think that's like a really, that's like a clever a unique thing. way, yeah, when you're playing more casual. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to say about dice before is, because I, I kind of forgot this, because there's actually two die I always take with me almost every tournament. The first time I ever went to Vegas, I won like $2,000 in craps, and I bought these two Palazzo dice, which apparently... So lucky a crazy dice. Republican owns the Palazzo, so good <laughs> on him. But those two dice, like, I keep with me forever, and I've had them for, like, six years. And I bought them originally before, like, not related to Magic, but I've been using them for Magic tournaments forever. And those six-sided, like, dice are really good, generally, for... Because they're big, and you can see them from across the table. They're not hard to kind of keep track of. Sure, sure. Speaking of dice, they got the they got some new spin-down from Dragons of the Takir pre-release. I have a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. those they, they definitely took a book out because my favorite dice every year that they release are the From the Vaults ones because they're always really cool. Yeah. And the dragons feel like they took a big page out of the From the Vault book a, a book about like putting a foiling process inside and making them clear and like icy and those are really cool. They're yeah. Definitely they're upping their game. Big time. It's also that's also like a nice thing now that when you go to those releases that you you all like they're putting effort into the product and the prize you're right. getting. It's the same thing, and this is not obviously uh, swag related, but like I liked that in the pre-release packs this year or this set, you weren't just getting like the one that related to your your guild or your wedge or your yeah. Uh, they like they changed shard. the the format for pre-releases for this whole year for Consbark and going forward to it's a random promo. It's not the guaranteed one because it made the Clan selection easier. Yeah, well, it, yeah. it, not even just that. It, it, it <clears throat> like so. A best example is for M fifteen. Everyone knew exactly what your bomb was. So if you're white, you know, okay, that guy has the the angel that comes in and resets his life total. If right. you're black, like all the different ones made it so almost every opponent you played against felt like the same. The same it made guy, it too, yeah. Like every game was the same exact game. When it's random, you actually have like a different level of competitability and it, it makes it feel more like actual sealed that just leans people towards their colors yeah i definitely opened at the pre-release as well as my promo which i'm not even remembering what my promo was because compared to what i opened otherwise was so silly i opened a pack that had a foil uh, dragon lord dromoka and a narset in the same pack <laughs> which Whoa. was like one of the more like absurd packs i've ever why opened why don't you brag about it <laughs> yeah well i still didn't do it well <laughs> I got two Atarkas. I got the new one and the old one. Oh, nice. That was the best. And that was in blue-black, so that was really helpful. <laughs> I, I think I got more Sadisi after the gajillion Sadisi oh, okay. I have acquired. Nice. The, you have the new Sadisi? The cool the one? The cool, the good. Well, they're actually both the pretty good. The undead one. The one that can, like, sack and tutor. Yeah, 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 the demonic tutor one. Yeah, it's guy card's cool. Um, so back on, back on subject for the episode. So now we've kind of talked about, and I feel like we pretty much broke down swagginess. Uh, I want to get into the deck tech. We haven't done a deck tech actually in a few episodes, so it's good to kind of get back to it. Today we are doing Affinity. So to kind of break down what Affinity is for all of you people on the internet that didn't hear us the first time and don't know what it is, Affinity is based off of playing a bunch of artifacts really quickly and for really, like, there are many zero-cost artifacts and a lot of artifacts that produce mana that let you play your one and two mana things to fill the board with aggressive creatures and then kill someone in the face with either a wide selection of creatures that are all kind of big together or one or two cards that all make one creature really, really big. So if you are unaware of what this deck is or why it's called that, the original version of this deck was a Mirrodin block deck from like 03. And the premise was 
these cards, affinity cards, would be get they would get cheaper to play the more artifacts you control. The funny thing is with modern day affinity, it's not really affinity anymore. It doesn't. Yeah, actually... they tried changing the name to robots, and everyone was like, no, 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 no. Like plays Arcbound Ravager. It's affinity. <laughs> like I does it does it play any cards anymore that are actually like that have uh, affinity for thought, artifacts? Um, Thoughtcast. Thoughtcast. Thoughtcast okay. is the one card, which yeah. is one blue and four colorless. Draw two cards at sorcery speed, but it has affinity for artifacts. Right. So you so often it's use... a, a one blue draw two cards. Yeah. So there's that. Um, there's also then Metalcraft from Squires of Mirrodin block. That which... does see play because it has Mox Opal and uh, Etch Champion. Yes, and so those so you have two Metalcraft cards and one Affinity card, and that's not even in every list. Thoughtcast is not in. Yeah, every it's list. not a standard. Um, so it's funny. It's like it's it's really just a deck of of aggressive artifact creatures that work in synergy with one another. In, rea- in reality, it's more of a mo- the the two cards the two cards that make Affinity because everything else is just play cheap artifacts. The cheapest right. ones you can find and be aggressive is Arcbound Ravager, which is the two drop artifact that you can sack any artifact to put a plus one plus one counter as modular. So when it dies, you can put a counter on something else, and. Um, and cranial plating, which is a, an equipment, it's one of the cool equipments that you can actually equip at instant speed if you have two black, and it gives an artif- uh, a creature plus one, plus zero for every artifact you control. So it can very quickly just kill a person. You empty your hand and you're swinging with like a 12, you know, 12-2 on turn three that has flying generally. It, it really is the premium aggressive deck of the format and has been really since the beginning. I mean, Zoo has competed in the early days, but really the only lasting aggressive deck for Modern is this. And a lot of people kind of, it's almost combo. It's not, because it's still like you're attacking with the red zone, into the red zone, but it is by far the only example I have in my experience with the format of a like a tier one aggressive deck. We well, also and then you have burn. But I mean but burn's but burn a is a rank. burn deck. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't you you fight burn by having the answer to specifically burn, which is life gain. Yeah. You don't do that with affinity. You have to have creature kill, which is generally the aggressive they, answer. They, they've said for a long time that I think affinity's game one win percentage is like upward of sixty, right? It's like sixty to seventy. That's like that's like the standard. If you're on the play it's depending game on one. matchup, but yeah. If you're but, on the play, you got a pretty high percentage of winning. Yeah. That's for sure. It's also, though, one of those decks that, just like in Legacy, will, it'll swing in and out of favor. If people have the right sideboard cards against you, you're kind of hosed. Right. And if they don't, you have a good chance. But, I mean, if somebody resolves Thony Silence against you, for instance, it's it's going to be much... It's going to be very difficult to win through It's that. a very hard game after that. Or if they draw, like, a, an ancient... Even just, like, one ancient grudge early in the game can just slow you down but so that's much. Like, it's one of those, if they have the <clears> right <throat> amount of sideboard cards against you... And normally what's correct in Modern is to play one to four affinity specific cards and then one to four cards that are good against affinity but would be good elsewhere right an example is sometimes stony silence because stony silence will just stone cold murder affinity but also has tron implications and it used to be good against birthing pot right or any type of board wipes board wipes are generally a really good answer yeah pyroclasm pyroclasm or day of judgment or i guess wrath of god is the correct one i'm a fan and we'll get to this when we talk to matchups but i i actually really excited about colagon's command I think that card's gonna be great against. Them. Right, right. I, I think, agree. I just think that card's like generally pretty awesome, but destroying artifact and shock, like that seems yeah. like it's pretty good. For so before mana. before we get into answers, because actually the Twitter question we asked before the episode was, "What is your favorite answers to affinity?" So we have a bunch of our Twitter followers that have given us some answers, and I will read them. But first, let's get into the gauntlet. Or before we get into the gauntlet, actually, uh, do you have? Because you're a, you're an affinity player. Do you have any? Like, specific interactions that are important to know while playing Affinity and things to keep in mind? So, I guess a couple of things in uh, playing Affinity, right? Um, You have to kind of know or guess or at least have a very good idea of what your opponent is playing. Because if they're, like, say, there are a couple games I play where it's against uh, Green Red Tron. Um, If you overstretch or if you're, like, not sure if they have a board wipe, 
and you overextend yourself, you can get killed and run out of gas very quickly. So you basically have to time your aggressiveness in a way where you don't overextend, but just enough to kill them. Right. Oftentimes, when you play Affinity, you basically will just kill the guy with like one or two point over the twenty life that they got, and like barely kill him. What's an example of a hand in Affinity that you would mulligan? Like, what's like when you when you open your your opening seven? Because it's a lot of synergy, obviously. I mean, there's obviously yeah. no like no landers are obvious, but like let's pretend. Better yet, what are the two cards you want to see in your opener more than any other cards? So. Opening the Mox Opal, that's for sure. You need Mana Acceleration to like vomit everything out. Yep. And then uh, some of the key things are, I like Ravager yeah. over Steel Seer. Okay. Steel Overseer. Steel Overseer. Yeah, Steel so, Overseer. So yeah. Overseer is a two-mana. Uh, it's the it's one of the cards that lets you go wide. So one of the strengths of Affinity is it can either pierce or go wide with all the creatures it plays quickly. And it uh, you can tap it to put a plus one, plus one counter on every creature, artifact creature you control. Costs two mana for a one-one, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, so it starts to just grow your board. It's like yeah, playing Gavany Township, except... Right. It's a two-cost Gavany Township. So when you when you see the Steel Overseer, oftentimes it kind of implies your game is going to drag longer. Okay. But if you see your Ravager on your hand, then it's going to go very, very quick, especially when you have uh, Blink Moth in play. Because then you can just warm up a bunch of uh, artifacts and then try to swing in either with your Ink Moth or your artifacts that are on the board. So there are different angles that you can take to take out your opponent. Now, the version of Affinity that you prefer to play, do you like to play the one that plays uh, Burn with like Galvanic and Trapital Blast, or do you like to play the one that's a little bit more uh, card draw, Master of Ethereum-y? I like the burn version. Okay. Uh, the card draw version feels very slow, so it's kind of like you're doing something that's not really what it meant to do. So I guess if you're in a more slow, kind of mid-rangey metagame, then it's a little bit okay. But I still like Affinity to do what it does best. And I do think there are different base ones. I think the the most popular ones are either red, white, blue, or black. I don't think there's really a green Affinity one. Yeah, uh, the blue one. Oh, there is a green. Sorry, I'm wrong. I know what that one is too, but I'll break them down. So the green one is uh, Tarmofinity. So this did really well back in <laughs> September before Ascendancy kind of took over everywhere. Sure. And it's probably a good time for it to kind of come back. Right. But there was Affinity decks that just put Tarmogoyf in there. And, and kind of what ends up happening with Affinity is there's one card that it just can't beat. And that's Stony Silence. So if Stony Silence is seeing a lot of play in a metagame, having stuff like Tarmogoyf is really important. Uh, another thing that started happening around then was uh, playing um, blue and soul artifact, for Insol right? Artifact. Which is so awesome. Which is 5-5 you know, five, five indestructible creatures on turn 2 is really strong in this format. And beyond that, you make any creature just a huge threat with evasion. Because most of your creatures fly already. Right. Um, then you go into like the black decks, which generally black is kind of just a small base they have anyways because you have access to Thoughtseize. You can more conveniently um, cast, cast Scourge. Thought, yeah, evolve, you don't lose the life. You also get uh, access to the ability to move around um, cranial plating at instant speed. Um, the white one is actually something that Matt Sperling played at the last Pro Tour, and this was more of his kind of invention because it classically white is the one that probably sees the least play. Did this is this the one that played the artifact? Or the it enchantment? played Tempered Steel. The yeah, enchantment. It's steel. white, white, colorless. All artifact creatures get plus two, plus two. Yeah. And he was just looking for another way around Stony Silence because Stony Silence wrecks Affinity so hard. Yeah. The Gauntlet. Let's talk about it. So the main reason to really bring Affinity back up because if you really want to get a more in depth. We had Glenn Jones in the first episode. He was very familiar with the matchups with the deck. Not the matchups, but how the deck ran and breaks it down in our first episode. Go check that out. It's dated. We probably say things wrong about things. But yeah. 
Affinity, we were pretty spot on because Affinity is interesting. One of the few decks that hasn't changed that much since the beginning of Modern. There hasn't been, other than Soul Artifact or maybe someone deciding, oh, I'm going to play Tarmogoyf for some reason. They stopped playing Spell Skite main deck. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's an upgrade. Skite's awesome. And then also, uh, one of the recent additions is Ghost Fireblade. And I don't know if that's an, like an auto, but I know that Andrew, our friend Andrew Brown. Uh, it's some play. It's, it's definitely like the fifth or sixth. Uh, Played cranial plating, yeah. if you really which, but he there. really, I think, yeah. I think he liked it because you could you could equip it to edge champion, right? And champion would get through a spell skite. That was what he told me, right? Right. It's because he expected to run into a ton of spell skites all weekend, so then Ghost Fire Blade kills it. Got it. So that yeah, I mean that's kind of something you have to be paying attention to. So getting into the gauntlet, so the big thing to bring it back is the entire environment is different. It's not necessarily the fact that the deck has changed, but it's more the decks that it's facing are different. Um, back last time we talked about it, ascendancy was a thing. Uh, twin was, you know, in not doing as well because Delver decks were kind of blowing up the format. Um, and birthing pod was still King of the roost. These are all decks that are basically gone or not releasing really a lot of play. So let's break down the gauntlet first Abzan. Now there are two flavors of this. There's the X birthing pod decks that generally play. Well, now might be even more so playing like Malira combo. Um, but now with Anafenza. And you have the, like, Siege Rhino, Liliana, Thoughtseize, Lingering Souls, Abrupt Decay, X-Jun decks that are now kind of the Abzan decks. So, yeah, when you go up against Abzan, uh, let's just, let's assume that it's not, you're not just game one on the play, they don't know what you're playing. Let's assume right. it's like... If, you, if they see a land, they know exactly what's up. Yeah, I guess what I mean is... Uh, you don't know what you're playing against. Yeah, w- without well, the unfair advantage of just you just having 70% on game one? Like, what's the matchup for you like against Abzan? I mean, do you like or well, do you do I like? think one of the reasons that they moved originally towards Abzan over Junt... Stony Silence. It was Stony Silence. Yeah. It, 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 that breaks open their win percentage so high in games two and three that it makes it one of the re- good reasons to play white. I mean, now Siege Rhino and other reasons, but, like, at first, before Siege Rhino was a card, that was the original reason you moved into Abzan. Well, also, one of the best possible cards against Infinity is Lingering Souls. Right. Hmm. So my oh, general. Oh wait, wait. We had a disagreement. We had a disagree. Had a disagreement. Ho hum there. So I guess I guess the lingering soul is definitely powerful because then you just stonewall every single thing that you throw at the absent right. player, right? Except for a champion. A champion, you can definitely get through. Right. Right. So I mean, what I've heard and, and through my experience, the best cards for affinity against them is probably going to be spell pierce and Th- spell pierce and thoughtsies. Because those are the cards that really allow them to stop their opponent from... They're their main interaction spells. And if you can get a Lingering Souls... If you can just counter Lingering Souls for that one turn you need to get in... Like, they start doing stuff a little bit later. And you also Stonewall just brick Liliana. Liliana is much less powerful against an Affinity player. Because you empty your hand and you have, like, random Ornithopters on the table that aren't doing anything. So their Liliana doesn't really gain as much value as they normally do. Yeah. Which allows you to get around. And the other side is Abrupt Decay is a little bit weaker because you have so many different threats that are versatile. Like, what's-his-face? Ravager is so strong Ravager can just dodge auto-removal. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, like, their targeted removal isn't as good against you. Hmm. Um, on the, to the, with the just general X-Birthing pod decks, I think this matchup is just way better than it used to be because they can't search out Quizzali Prime Mage and just get you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not that many decks in the format that are playing main deck artifact hate, right? right which there's... I do think will change. I mean, going back to like, in general, outside. like doing Jund, yeah. Jund, 
theoretically, if it makes a comeback, could be playing call against command. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. The ability to shock and destroy an artifact is really strong. Yeah. The other decks that are generally going to be problematic for you are like the blue white red decks, which are haven't been doing very well recently. Right. Um, but those decks just like anytime Snapcaster and Lightning Bolt are like four ofs in a deck, it gives affinity a little bit more of an issue because you get just two for ones all day long. Blocker and a bolt. Yeah. yeah, yeah two bolts and a blocker is a huge game. Not to mention, generally those decks are playing some amount of um, the blue-red. Electrolyzed. Electrolyzed. Yeah. And that's also giant game against Affinity because it's like, oh, goodbye. You know, um, Ravager. <laughs> well, yeah, not you even just Ravager because you can dodge the Ravager, but you can get rid of um, Vault Scourge and a Mennonite or right. like, so many of their cards are one. Any of their early aggro. All of basically. their lands are just completely stone cold yeah. dead against you. So yeah. it, it's definitely Blue White Red is a matchup that's bad for Affinity, but one of the reasons I'd say Affinity is good right now is because Blue White Red is not around. So getting so, right. so then getting away from kind of a fair matchup in Abzan, you go up against the kind of dominant combo matchup, which is Twin. Right. And I mean, Again, this is one of those ones where the difference between turn three and turn four for a twin deck is so drastic that when we talked about earlier, like, don't take... I feel like if you're on the play game one against, you have a great chance. I think this is a race. I think it's it's a coin flip, and it's also just who can kill the other person first. A twin's best advantage is the fact that they can tap down an attacker for a With turn. With a one four that also blocks. Right. That's they like, they do a, they it doesn't block flyers. Too. Like, not blocking flyers is huge against affinity affinity flies or has protection from colors <laughs> with most of their creatures like yeah. their evasion is just off the spectrum so a one four that's on the floor doesn't do a whole lot the two one that can block and tap like the issue is the piercing strategy they're very good against it's if affinity decides to go wide and you can't find your combo quick enough is when you can run into issues and the fact that affinity does play thoughtseize affinity does play spell pierce these are two cards that are very good against twin also, Galvanic Blast is a good card. Uh, yeah, because you have the removal spells that can kill kind of the creatures. Four toughness, yeah, is, is very relevant. So Galvanic Blast is is good. Nobody's really playing Shrapnel Blast anymore, I know. But uh, some do. I mean, it depends what you want to play. I mean, Affinity. All these decks on Game Two, you have to be prepared for them to have answers to what you have. Right. Which is why I think some of these decks moved in towards the Tarmo Affinity or yeah. the um, Soul Artifact because so most it's a, decks. So it's not a line. Yeah, it's, it, and it's a, a line that is resistant to the removal people are playing. Sure. And indus- like, no one brings in enchantment removal against Affinity. No one's bringing in good answers against Tarmogoyf, because there aren't many good answers against Tarmogoyf. And so it definitely gives you a little bit more of a play to have a different threat available to you. Sure, sure, sure. Um, next on our list, Amulet Bloom. I think this is another race. I think you're, this is probably your best matchup of like the well-doing big tournament decks recently, because if they, don't, if they can't combo you, their re- interaction with you is terrible. They usually have only one creature on the board, which is yeah, they the have no blockers, <laughs> right? And if so they you have the go titan, wide already, and yeah. like as long as they're not combo killing you quickly, then they your biggest problem is Blood Moon. But Affinity is a Blood Moon deck. Affinity can play Blood Moon because yeah. it only just kills its lands and it still has all its threats and it just locks your opponents out. I think the other issue is that like. I mean, they can play Blood Moon, though, because all their lands are all. No, Affinity plays Blood Moon against That's Amulet Bloom. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. With little to no interaction, the average win turn for Affinity is turn four. Is that right? Or is it turn three? It averages turn four, turn five. Turn, f- turn so four, turn three. It is can a win bit turn fast, three, yeah. but it, that's like they didn't interact with you and you got a great hand. <laughs> so the Bloom deck, I think it averages three, turn three, turn four, right? Averages turn three, turn four. Yeah, I've seen the turn two before. I've seen the half turn before. Yeah, but, I've seen the turn zero. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, it definitely seems like they are more. They have the ability to be more explosive than you. 
but you will be more consistently explosive. Right. And this is another matchup where Spell Spears and Thoughtseize definitely helps you, where it prevents you can your break opponent. The combo. You can you can stop them as yeah. long as you have some interaction against Amulet Bloom that like interacts on the stack. You're definitely a little bit favored because you're also presenting a threat. Like the problem with Amulet, the reason Amulet generally does well is because the decks that normally try interacting with it aren't trying to kill it quickly. Right. So right, it right. can just be like. Like poop out a win. It's <laughs> just like noodle around with affinity, for ten turns. You have such an issue with just the tempo of the fact that no, I played my whole hand out and now I'm interacting with you. That Amia Bloom might have a huge problem getting through that. Okay, fair enough. Moving on to Burn. Uh, I feel like you are he- heavily favored against Burn because it's a race. But the card, their trump card, is Idol of the Great Rebels, and you, everything of yours will be on the table by the time that happens. Yeah, I think Burn is definitely. a difficult matchup for the burn player yeah because you're you they're, you're about as fast as they are you'll have like chumps to block their guide and stuff like that that are coming down fast enough if you need to stay alive right you have vault scourge in your deck which they don't really want to have to waste they don't want to waste a card to get your vault scourge off the deck right but you have it uh and then on top of that like i said the biggest the reason that i think that that deck is scary is eidolon and you'll have more things on the table by the time they play. You just got to jump for days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, At that point, you want an armor Here it is. Well, not to mention the best way to beat Burn is to lock them out, which is make their life total three, <laughs> so that the Eidolon kills them if they cast a spell. And you're like, well, even if I have nothing in play, you can't beat me anymore. Plus, the Affinity plays Spell Skites, which is great against Burn. Well, I guess the Galphonic Blast also gives you that extra four reach that you really yeah. need to attack them out. So they really, have to play around it, right? I know, I know this is jumping back for a second, but I don't ever understand why people gravitate away from Shrapnel Blast. I always have been such a fan of that. Like, five damage is such a big game. That's huge. It's because people have... It depends on how heavy of a removal format you're in. If it's a really heavy removal format, it's better to play the more resilient threats. And as interaction goes, Spell Pierce can often be more powerful in a format where people's threats are more dangerous than art creatures. So yeah. the, the question is... Thought cast and spell pierce, which makes your deck more resilient and can go longer, but it doesn't have as explosive draws, or you can just get people. So the the shrapnel blast decks, not shrapnel blast, the thought cast, thought cast deck. No, 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 one red mana. Galvanic blast. Galvanic, Galvanic blast. The, uh, the Galvanic blast decks generally are good choices in the no one's expecting affinity metagame. Sure. Which happens, and that's where affinity does the best. But they're classically it's a bad choice if there's any thought that people might be expecting you gotcha so you kind of have to replenish your hand and yeah the, be able the, to drag the game on so much of bit. modern so much of the way people beat people in modern is to like grind them out of resources and affinity having a way to be able to come back from that is really helpful not to mention having interaction against combo decks and spell pierce does better than than shrapnel or not shrapnel last galvanic blast gotcha uh, next and last on our gauntlet, the mirror. Affinity is good right now, so you're going to be playing other affinity decks. How do you beat an affinity deck if you're an affinity deck? Yeah, what do you what do you expect to have happen? So affinity that I said, I guess classically, it's uh, try to play the short game, right? So it's like you're saying, yeah. if you have thoughtcast, if you have uh, master Ethereum, if you have over uh, steel overseer, that can definitely drag the game longer and go over them, basically. So yeah, I, I definitely think this is one of the matchups where galvanic blast is better than it is against other matches where it's it, more removal more because it's a race you're just racing to see who can kill the other person first it also I'm, I'm assuming can come down to who gets ravager like ravager is such a bigger game against your own the the defending matchup itself because you can make the big thing to block their thing it, it's definitely a game that i imagine has a lot of play though because 
all of your creatures bounce off. Like even your land, like everything either trades or bounces off. There's not like a good trump card, and your normal best so we'll, trump card is. But uh, won't, that, won't that means that it's going to be dragging longer, more so than trying to do the race? I mean, it's it's obvious that their short game is going to be a race. Right, right. right. So in, I guess you're saying it like a thought cast kind of situation will be better yeah. because so then you, you can, have one extra threat. Then right. that might be the threat that needs right, to jam right, in and get, get through. through. That's, any, I believe that. Any weird or wild cards you've thought about playing in Affinity or ever tried out? Just like things to spice up the brew? Or... So high variance card, like Ensoul. Ensoul yeah. is kind of like a superstar in a Yeah. Well, so yeah, whoever yeah. lands Ensoul really just wins, basically. Yeah. I mean, that, in the mirror matchup, I'd imagine like that's another thing that maybe Sperling was thinking about because the pros will play Affinity because they've been playing it forever. Right. Is temper still has to be a blowout in the mirror match. Oh, like, yeah. How does, like how does another... Up. If I'm Affinity and they play temper still against me, I don't know how I win. Yeah. I don't think it's even possible. It's way over, basically. <laughs> yeah, because you just they swing once and I'm either dead or I block with everything and then I'm dead. <laughs> well, and the nice thing about temper still is that you can play it and then swing with the team. So it's right. like a g- giant anthem with haste. Right. And then like the fact that the normal things they might use, the protector team doesn't... Like Spellskite isn't good against it. Yeah, right. Um, Does it make uh, Emoth automatically a 3 3 also with Temper Steel? Yes. That's dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Really? No. Poison counters. No one's ever won with poison counters. That's never happened. (laughs) (laughs) So that pretty much wraps up the uh, the tech on Affinity we were going to do. Give us your thoughts on Affinity on Twitter. Shout out us. Yeah, so speaking of that, I'm actually going to tell you. So these are the cards people on Twitter, some of the best cards that people thought about bringing in against Affinity. Um, These are what these guys play if they're facing an Affinity opponent. Uh, Grey Ghost uh, at Grey Ghost Alters uh, thinks that Stony Silence is just the nuts. If you aren't in white, Pithing Needle, Revoker, and Revoker for Cranial Plating really help. And if you're in Greed, Creeping Corrosion. We didn't really mention that. There are just straight-up board wipes against Affinity. Those are the cards that are worse for you because they just completely decimate you. But they're also the most narrow. Like, Stony Silence does a similar game, but sure. it can lock out Tron while just... Any of the all artifacts or destroyed cards can just generally be dead cards in your sideboard if you never face the matchup. Um, there's going to be a lot of stony silence. Eric Landis, also known as at, at Proggy Boog, uh, stony silence. He said it as well. It's the best one. <laughs> um, Ian, uh, Randall John, at Randall John, uh, Shattering Spree or Hercules Recall. Hercules Recall is actually something we didn't talk about, but it's kind of the blue, the mono blue answer, like uh, Merfolk plays it. Recall. Uh, it, it returns all artifacts to their owner's hands. Oh. All um, artifacts target player controls. Target player control. So the reason it's important is in Merfolk, A, blue doesn't have a lot of ways to interact with Affinity, and this allows them just to get that one more hidden because Merfolk is also one of the aggressive decks in the format and a lot can definitely, just with that extra turn, kill an opponent. Um, ben tweeted in. <laughs> 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 At Ben Bateman Media. Said that Colgan's Command in Shattering Spree. We talked Seems about it. It's pretty good. I'm telling you, Colgan's Command is going to be an all-star. I, I like I like the whole new cycle of commands. And if you guys, I know this is off-topic, I've been brewing all week with Ojatai's Command, so watch out for that. I'm going to probably force Alex to do a deck tech on a deck he doesn't want to talk about next week. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It plays Mirror Superior. Let's keep going. <laughs> um... Cameron Taylor at Flood Scrivener, uh, Flood, Flood underscore Scrivener, uh, tweeted, and we actually didn't talk a whole lot about this because Jund has kind of been a little bit lesser in the format, but the classic hate card against Affinity is Ancient Grudge, and, and Cameron brought that up. I mean, Ancient Grudge is very, very strong. It, it just, it, really it's good. so much value at two for one's people. I think that if Dredge decks kind of make a little bit of a comeback, which I always am hoping for, <laughs> uh, it becomes a much more played sideboard card because that's just 
great for them because either draw it and they blow affinity out or they dredge it and they can still get the removal spell they need against affinity um and then i think my favorite of all the answers so you win the favorite answer award uh is zerify all which is at zera with a z zerify all uh his answer was flipping the table over <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, if you're that generally will at least end the match. I There's mean, you might get kicked you. out of the tournament. <laughs> you just board white. Yeah, you wiped the board. Oh, genius. Okay. <laughs> and last but not least, Peter Marshall, uh, DC Lift Peter, uh, Stony Silence, and Pyroclasm. So that's something we also mentioned. Pyroclasm. Pyroclasm. Fire and Spout. That, that kind of, yeah, Fire Spout. Those are kind of the cards that are good but are good against other opponents. Like, Pyroclasm is a decent card as a cyborg card in yeah. general. And it just, it, it is the. A very good card against affinity. Just good cards to have on hand. So yeah, that's that's the affinity episode. That's Excellent. Cool. Yeah. So <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And uh... so a few things. Remember, um, follow us on Twitter. Rate us on iTunes. We talked about it already. Our Twitter is at the MMCast. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the Masters of Modern Podcast. You can find Kessler at. Kess Wiley, K-E-S-S underscore Wiley, W-Y-L-I-E. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. And where can we find out about Wizard Foundry? Wizard Foundry? You can find us at, at Wizardry Foundry or go to wizardryfoundry.com to see all our new products. Super cool. And you, and you like right now and by the end of this podcast, they can donate to your campaign. So Absolutely. There will be a link for the Kickstarter campaign on the rocketjump.com website. Uh, beyond that, just go to Kickstarter, look up Grimoire. Yeah, Search for Grimmore, look up Kickstarter Grimmore, or go to wizardryfoundry.com. If anybody's confused, that's G-R-I-M-O-I-R-E. Yes. Yeah. Better than I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm infamous for not being able to spell, which you might have noticed on Twitter. There are, are Geth's Grimoire is a famous Grimoire magic card. There's also, I think, another one, too. Grimoire, think of, Grimoire the of, the dead, of the Dead. which is Grimoire the, of the Dead. Yeah, that's is the big one. Um, Geth's Grimoire is pretty sweet, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not. Um, so, question of this week... And we'll answer you on Twitter. What's your favorite magic swag? What do you What do you guys like playing with out there? Is my, it leather bound? It's my pen from the Weston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you also have four season pens that you've stolen? <laughs> Put hashtag steal pens from four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. And uh, this has been Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, and Jonathan Webb. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.